We're approaching the end of our Rebuild and Rejoice series, which we've been doing from the book of Nehemiah. So if you could grab your Bible and we're going to turn to Nehemiah chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 12. The book has basically been in two halves and we've tried to mirror that in the series that the first half of the book is all about the rebuild. Chapters 1 to 6, it's about the rebuilding of the walls. And then at the end of chapter 6, the writer says, and the walls were done, right? So we finished the rebuild. And then the second half of the book, chapters 7 to 13, is more about the rejoice, about how the people worshipped and prayed. And today, as we're going to see, how they sang. And we're actually, what we're going to do this morning is look at a theology of singing, which might sound like a strange title, but that's what I want to do. Just unpack a little bit, a theology of singing from the Bible and from this book. So we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 12. But I don't know if you've ever noticed how central singing is to the Christian life and the scriptures as a whole, and how different that is from what you might expect in many other religious traditions. Singing is completely central to the Bible. I mean, it's literally central in the sense that the Psalms is the massive book of songs in the middle of the Bible. But you have it all the way through. The Bible starts with, you know, creation is effectively accompanied by loud singing. That's what God says to Job. Were you there when I created the world and all the angels were singing for joy? We, you know, creation is full of song at the beginning. When you go to the end of the Bible, book of Revelation, absolutely filled with loud songs from heaven and earth and every, everything in creation singing. As I say, you've got this massive book of songs in the middle. A lot of the other content is sung as well. Jesus himself sings. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, singing. You know, that basically what will happen when you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, because God is a singer, you'll sing too, and so on. And you will go all the way through Scripture and you think, wow, singing, music, is integral to the practice of this faith, of this religious tradition. And that is quite surprising in contrast to many other religious traditions that you might expect. It's not quite what you'd think would be true if you came from, for instance, an Islamic background. But in Christianity, you've got music and singing are at the very heart of it. And for that reason, historically speaking, music and singing have been interwoven with Christianity throughout almost all the kinds of genres of music that you might listen to. So I don't know what kind of radio station you, have, you are set to or what kind of playlist you have, but the chances are that whether it's from a sort of more classical sort of tradition or it's more contemporary style music, you'll find that that musical tradition has been heavily Christianized in its origins in some way. That it's probably grown out of Christian music in some form is what I'm saying. So if you're into classical music, it almost certainly will, the, the style you listen to will go back in some way to the great church musicians of the 16th and 17th centuries of Palestrina and Bach and Vivaldi and Handel and all the requiems and passions and masses and all of that stuff that they wrote, choral arrangements, this, that and the other, probably be church music which has then taken on a, a, a romantic turn or a baroque turn or whatever it might be. But that's probably got its roots in Christianity. And similarly, if you're into more contemporary style music of whatever genre really, it might be blues or R&B or rock or pop or soul or gospel or jazz, but whatever you're in, all of those musical traditions really go back to the spirituals, don't they? A sort of, you know, often 19th, 20th century spirit going back beyond that, actually, and with the spirituals, which are almost entirely Christian in content and developing out of enslaved people and their communities as they sing effectively Christian theology in, the, in a sort of call and response on the plantations. So that's often, that's the origins. Many music sort of tell us, the origins of most of these musical traditions we listen to today still goes back to sort of Christian songs being sung by enslaved people 
100, 200 years ago. And so I find it quite fascinating that Christianity has if you, been so integral to the generation of so many styles of music. And it's good sometimes to pause and think, why? What, what's, what is there about Christianity that's so bound up with singing? What does singing do? What's it for? Because the contrast, as I said, with Islam is huge. In Islam, a lot of Muslims don't think you should sing at all. Music is never mentioned in the Quran. It's mentioned in the Hadith, but in a bad way. The Hadith says, as singing, that singing sprouts hypocrisy in the heart, like rain sprouts plants. So the general sense was Muhammad and others not that keen on singing and music, and Muslims obviously wrestle with whether you do sing and make music today, and there's a debate. But in Christianity, that, that's never been an issue, right? This is a singing faith. We're always singing. Even in prison in the New Testament, people are singing. Why is that? And Christians have got a lot to sing about. And it's something that you notice when you encounter believers. You find yourself, wow, a lot of people come into a church like this and they say, well, you do. I mean, I, a guy, he said it to us. We asked him, how did you find the, the service? And he said, oh, they don't have to do a hell of a lot of singing in this church, was what he said. It's like, it was just weird to people. Like, you guys are singing all the time. Why is that? What's it do? So I want to give a short theology of singing and consider why and how God's people sing. Let's read Nehemiah 12 and beginning at verse 27. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and with singing, with cymbals, harps and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal and from the region of Geba and Azameth, so Azmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall, and I appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went south on the wall to the dung gate. And after them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah and Jeremiah and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets. Zechariah, son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, son of Asaph and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, Mai, Nethanel, Judah and Hanani with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate, they went straight up before them by the stairs of the city of David at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshana and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half the officials with me and the priests Eliakim, Masiah, Minamin, Micaiah, Eloienai, Zechariah and Hananiah with trumpets and Masiah, Shemaiah, Eliezer, Uzi, Jehohanan, Machiah, Elam and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And the women and the children also rejoiced and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits and the tithes to gather them into the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification 
as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. This is the word of God. The immediate cause of all of this celebration is the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, right? Israel has built the wall, hooray, hallelujah, and now they're going to sing and they're going to celebrate. The city's been restored and the people want to give thanks. They have rebuilt and now it's time to rejoice. Now, it's just important to say up front, this isn't the only kind of singing we find in the Bible. It's the kind of singing in this passage, but there's many others. So not all singing is celebratory in Scripture. There are dozens of kinds of song in the Bible. Praise, confession, prayer, lament, wisdom, history, ascent songs, offering songs, cries for justice songs. Right? So we don't only sing when we're winning. You know, that kind of football, you only sing when you're winning. Christians aren't like that. We sing when we're in the depths. We sing in prison. We sing songs of lament. We sing spirituals. We sing songs where we're saying, God, how long? Why? Stretch out your arm to save. We sing all kinds of songs. But the kind of song we're talking about here is a song of celebration. And if anything, in our kind of church, we might, could be accused of, singing, of leaning so much into celebration that we don't have time for songs which express other emotions. And we could talk about that another time. But it's important to remember this is just one kind of text. It's not all biblical song is like this. But having said that, this chapter gives us a very helpful demonstration of how and why God's people sing. It might be the noisiest example of song in the entire Bible. I can't think of another text where someone says something like, verse 43, the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. As in these people made so much noise that you could hear it in adjacent towns and cities. That's the idea, isn't it? It's just reverberating across the Judean hillside. So I want us to notice four things in this text about how and why God's people sing, not just in Nehemiah's day, but also in ours. Four things. First one is that God's people sing thankfully. We sing, they sang, and we sing thankfully, right? Verse 27, they sought the Levites to celebrate the dedication with gladness, thanksgiving, and singing. It's a classic example, that we sing with thankfulness. Well, verse 31, I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. That's what Nehemiah said before. I want this choir over here and you're going to go south and this choir here and you're going to go around the walls on the north and you're going to stand there and you're going to sing to give thanks. That's what song does in this context and it's what we do as we gather together to sing as well. I love it, by the way. Do you remember a few weeks ago we met Malchiah laboring away on the Dungate? We just thought, well, how's, the, how's the unglamorous smell of that place? Have you know, did you notice in the text, the Dungate has now become a place of praise. The first group on the south gate, they had to walk around across up by the Dungate and stand on it, and it implies, I think, singing over the Dungate. You think, wow, the Dungate has become a dance floor. And you think of little old Malchiah and his filthy, smelly labour has nevertheless brought something into a place of praise. I just think that's quite a beautiful detail. You forget verse 38, you get the other. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. Again, the choir of those who gave thanks. That's what we're doing here. We're thanking. 
And that's how you would expect praise and song to function in the Bible. Thankfulness is something Christians are really big on, that we do all the time. And one of the reasons we do it is because it not only honours the giver, but it also enables us to reappreciate and re-receive the gift. You notice that, that? That's true in normal life, that when you thank someone for something, you actually get a bit of the enjoyment you receive from the gift again. You know, have you, or perhaps put it this way, negatively, have you ever been given something fantastic and not had an opportunity to thank the person? You kind of want to seek them out, don't you, and say, thank you, because in thanking them, you're not just honouring them, some of the enjoyment of the gift comes in thanking someone for it. It's very interesting in, a, in the US, and we just actually exactly this time of year, we're at Thanksgiving time, they all celebrate Thanksgiving. And they have this practice, many, many families in America will be doing that this week, of sitting around a table and they all have to give thanks for something. Now, it's a beautiful practice. We've got a close American friend who's eaten Thanksgiving with our family several times. And just that practice, I'm thankful for this. Now, of course, for me, I'm going, yes, I'm thankful to God. Thank you for what you've done this year and here and here. But if you don't believe in God, that practice is a little strange because you're thanking no one in particular. You're just saying, I'm thankful. But there's something in us that wants to give thanks because gratitude not only honours the giver, in our case, God, but gratitude also gives us the enjoyment all over again of having received the gift. And so God's people sing, and you'll find this all the time. When we sing together as a church, and it's great to have so many people coming back, partly in order that we might sing together, that when we do that, you find joy being rekindled in your soul about the, for the truths about which you are singing. Because gratitude, God's people sing thankfully, and gratitude is always integral to the Christian life. So God's people sing thankfully. The second thing to notice is that God's people sing corporately. In this text and throughout the Bible, is singing is something that is done together over and over and over again. Look at verse 40 to 43. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God and I and half the officials with me and the priests with trumpets and the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced and the women and the children also rejoiced. So this is not Nehemiah saying, and so I sang a song. Or this particularly inspired, gifted musician, they, he sang a song or she sang a song. This is no, the, all of the people did. I appointed choirs, they went, they made a noise. The priests joined in with their trumpets, other people playing other instruments. And then the other people joined in, Jezrehiah was leading all of them. And then the women and the children joined in. But the whole city is in uproar of worship because God's people sing corporately, together. Singing is a congregational activity. It's not primarily a solo thing. It's more like a, it's a team sport, not a solo sport. God has designed music in his grace in such a way that our voices and our melodies reinforce and amplify and enhance the songs of other people rather than detracting for them, from them as we sing together. Now that is have you ever thought about that with music? That is a very unusual feature of music that is not true of other forms of communication. So, you and I talk to one another and we talk at the same time. It's pretty hard for us to both understand what's going on. If you know someone very well, you might be in a routine. But then you bring a third person in and all three of you are talking at the same time. It's gobbledygook. You cannot possibly understand all that all three people are saying. Yet you do that with music. 
And you have somebody start singing this melody. And then meanwhile, somebody else sings that harmony. And then somebody else sings that harmony. And the three together not only don't detract from the mutual sound, but they also reinforce it and make it far more beautiful. So each added voice becomes exponentially more beautiful. And then you add rhythm, and then you add trumpets and cymbals and all the other instruments we'll talk about in a moment. And you realize God has given us this gift of music such that the more people are singing together, the richer and more beautiful it becomes. And most forms of communication are not like that. When they become cacophony. Speech on its own, like I'm doing now, right? You get three people doing this at once, it's absolutely useless to everybody. Whereas with music, the more people sing, the, the greater. It's like a picture of the way in which the congregation reinforces and enhances one another's faith and joy and love for God and for one another as they sing together. When you sing in a congregation, your, your song strengthens the faith of your neighbour. I've just come back from a place, as I'm preaching this to you now, just come back from an event where we were singing together. So hundreds of leaders from around the country. And just to be able to hear the voices of and see the raised hands and the celebration and the dancing of other leaders in this group strengthens my faith. And my song, God willing, strengthens theirs. And that's what happens when you sing along some, alongside someone else. And that's why we lose a lot when we're unable to sing together as we have been for much of the last year. That God's people sing corporately and it's one of the reasons I'm, I'm just desperate for the church to again regather to rebuild not just so that we're together but so that we can rejoice together because I know how much good is done to our faith as we sing together so God's people sing thankfully and God's people sing corporately third thing to notice in some ways the most obvious feature of this passage when you read it is that God's people sing noisily God's people sing noisily Right? This is loud, this text. The Psalms are absolutely full of musical instruments all the time and exhortations to play them as loudly as possible. It's not just play them on the cymbals, it's play them on the loud cymbals, right? You're going to make a noise, make a joyful noise. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, with singing, cymbals, harps and lyres, verse 27. I appointed two great choirs that gave thanks, verse 31. Certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, verse 35. With all the musical instruments of David, Verse 36. And the main reason for all that noise is that God is worthy of all the songs we can sing and all the noise we can make. Praise him on the loud cymbals. And it also has the effect of delighting us. Make a joyful noise. As you make noise, your joy gets reinforced. But it also has an evangelistic dimension as well. So when we make a noise to God, it's good for us, right? Bill's join us. And it's, it's, in a sense, it's offered up to God. It's primarily about him, isn't it? That's what we're doing. And so you, you might say it's good for God, good for us, but actually it's also good for the world around us. Did you notice that line? Verse 42, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. There is something about the corporate worship of the people of God when it can be heard. Now, by the way, this is not an argument for turning up the PA to silly levels to annoy the neighbours. That's not what I mean. I'm, what I'm saying is that the worship of the church, as it is heard and witnessed by others who don't know the Lord, the worshipping song and rejoicing of the people of God leaves a deposit in people's hearts. They, they ask questions like, why are those people celebrating? I know some of the things that person's been through. How can you live through that and sing anyway? 
the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. And you get that in the Psalms a lot. I will sing praises to you, O Lord, among the nations. I want the nations, I want the far-flung parts of the world to hear my song because I want them to know that you are good even when these things are happening to me. 10 to 15 years ago, there were a lot of megachurch pastors saying things like, oh, singing isn't very missional, right? People don't want to, it's not very, it's not very, um, not very user-friendly, it's not very seeker-sensitive. Singing is just, people find it a little bit odd to be told to sing. I tell you, you would not believe the number of people I have met, and probably you have too, who are moved to tears and often moved to conversion, moved to Jesus, by hearing Christians sing. The power of the singing, the noisy song of the people of God, to see, for others to see it and to be amazed at the enjoyment people have, at the grace and favour and blessing of God, would blow your mind. God's people sing noisily. And fourthly, God's people sing joyfully. God's people sing joyfully. Verse 43, they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. Like, how often do you want to say it? They rejoiced, because God had made them rejoice with joy. God has made us in such a way that singing is not just... Part of the way we express joy, but it's also a means of generating joy within us. Have you ever thought about that dynamic? It's not just I, I get happy and therefore I sing. It's I sing and that is part of what makes me happy. As I begin to sing these truths and reflect on their truth and meaning in my life, my joy is enhanced. So it's not just that we sing because we're joyful. In part, we are joyful because we sing. It's important to see that and you see it a lot in the Psalms as well. Why? So I just want for a moment stand back and go, why is that true? Why and how does singing enhance our joy? Because I really believe it does. And I think that one of the things that's going on is that singing unites things which are often kept separate and it unites things which effectively fuel our joy in God and make us feel physically and in many cases chemically happier. Like, give me, let me give you some, some examples. When you sing, it unites your body and your soul. Right? You're, you know, you have unconscious processes in your body, like breathing or digestion, which you're not thinking about at all. They're happening right now, not aware of them. You are now, but you know. Um, and then you have conscious processes, like thought and reason and speech and emotion. But when you sing, those two things get synchronized because of the importance of song and the way you have to draw your diaphragm up and you have to breathe in certain ways. And what happens is that the soul and the body are working together on exactly the same thing, and your words and your feelings and your breath and your thorax and your pulse even all effectively come together in a way that brings joy. It aligns things. And that sounds a bit, ooh, but it does. It brings together what your soul is doing and what your body is doing. It unites us at the same time with one another. Right? So we've already seen how when in song you add depth and meaning by more people singing at once. But we also add meaning by submitting ourselves to a larger whole. So when you are united with one another, when you're all doing the same thing, something happens to us as human beings that when we are lined up with lots of other people all singing the same thing, it brings us a, a joy, actually releases endorphins left, right and centre in your body. So if it's something that you, you feel like, I just, I feel sad, I want to feel happier, singing with other people is a, a good tonic in that sense. And so singing praise to God is the best thing you can do to fuel your own joy because as you align with other people, your personal preferences get kind of whittled down and your sense of being part of something larger than you catches you up in a greater overriding sense of joy. And I would say if I was listing the most 
Uh, the moments in my life where I've felt almost speechless with joy, many of them have involved music and singing. I've just being caught up in something like rapturous. And I don't mean to be, again, to be weird about it, but God's made us that way and he's filled the Bible with songs to help us catch it. So we get united, body and soul, get united with other people. And then, of course, you and I get united as a church with physical creation as a whole. Because as we've already seen, the stars, in a sense, sing for joy. They've been singing since creation. The fields and the trees, Isaiah says, will break forth into song at the return of Jesus. Jesus says, if you, aren't, if you don't sing, the rocks will start singing. So this is something that the Bible often says that the creation as a whole is caught up in song to its, creation, to its creator. And not only that, not just the physical creation, but spiritual creation as well. Angelic beings have been singing for thousands upon thousands of years. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And when you and I sing, we don't just unite with each other, we unite with the physical world and the spiritual world as well in praising the God who made us, the God of the song. So when we sing, we find our bodies line up with our souls, we line up with each other, and human beings line up with physical and spiritual creation as we worship God together. And that's why the psalmist commands himself, awake my soul, awake my glory, awake my harp and my lyre, and I will awaken the dawn. Come on soul, come on body, come on instruments, let's wake up and praise God together. Singing expresses our joy, but it also enhances it. Verse 43, they rejoiced because God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. But there is one final alignment taking place as we sing. And it's the one that grounds all the others. When we sing, it unites us with God, the great singer, the great musician, the inspiration for every song, the singer of all creation. In C.S. Lewis's Magician's Nephew, he has this wonderful picture of Aslan singing forth creation. And the stars beginning to join in the song and then the trees and the grass all joining in a song. It's a beautiful picture. But in the scriptures, it's not just that God sings out creation. He also sings out salvation. So I want to finish with Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. Just look at this. That God doesn't just sing creatively. He sings redemptively over his people. Zephaniah 3, 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He's cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. And you shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said of Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Don't let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God sings creation into being. And he sings redemption into reality. And then he invites us to join the song together across time and space. So that the rejoicing of Jerusalem might be heard far away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are singing people with a lot to sing about. I pray that as we rebuild, we would also rejoice. You would fuel our joy in you as we sing now and that you would add layer upon layer of celebration to this church as we regather and sing together increasingly that the joy of Jerusalem and of King's London would be heard far away. In Jesus' name, amen.